In the 11th step of the AA program, we say we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Now, we often hear in AA that the 12 steps are a way of life. This is very true, because the 12 steps are but a means of adjusting our will to the will of God, and that is perfection. Throughout the entire 12 steps, we find this golden theme, Thy will be done. We pray in the Lord's Prayer to close all of our meetings, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry it out. Made a decision to turn our will over to the care of God as we understood Him. All through the 12 steps and the entire AA program, again and again and again, Thy will be done. We were told that there's nothing new in the 12 steps, and this is also true. Because we were told centuries ago that this is your sanctification, the will of God. And this is the will of God, your sanctification. This idea of an approach to the happiness that is possible in this world is so simple that even the most uneducated can understand it. It is the formula for a perfect life, for happiness, for contentment, for serenity. It is so rich in import that the most profound intellect will never plumb its depth. It is the only solution to many of life's so-called riddles. These riddles of life, which we see all around us, as we go along life's path, have only one answer. There either is a God or there is no God. If there is a God, then the will of God is the answer. If there is no God, there is no answer. It is, in fact, the answer to all of life's inequalities. It is so sublime that even the mystic could meditate day in and day out, throughout his lifetime, and never quite reach the entire depth of the wisdom and the knowledge that would come from such meditation. It is so primary that even the child in the earliest years of school could accept this principle. Now, we have the dramatic example how the will of God works out in solving each, even the most serious problems of life in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember the story? Christ was there. He asked his Father, If it be possible, let this chalice pass from me. Then immediately, upon realizing that it was not possible, that it was the will of his Father, immediately came the solution 
Not my will, but thine be done. And he went to the apostles and he said, Come, let us go. My time has come. And then, with an ability that only comes through complete submission to Almighty God, so that the grace of God in all its power flows through one's personality, Christ took the cross and perfected the act of charity when he gave his life for his friends. Now, how does this, or how can this, I should say, apply practically into our everyday living? First, we know that in the alcoholic there is always an element of fear. Fear of evil. Fear of future harm. Fear of future suffering. What do the psychiatrists tell us? Well, most of them would say, just ignore the fear. Well, that's fine. But if the impending evil is real, such advice is very unreasonable. If I'm going to have an operation, I'm going to hurt. And I cannot ignore facts. If I fear another night of sleeplessness after having paced the floor for months and months, that is reality. I cannot ignore it. If I am suffering pain or have suffered loss, those things are real. We cannot ignore them. However, if the fear is unreal, as is the case in the neurotic then such advice is very much in vain because he's not going to ignore it anyway. Because if he got rid of that fear, he would cook up another one some way. There's only one certain elimination of fear in life. And that is, whatever is, is the will of God. And thus seeing the better good, the evil becomes not only bearable, but can even become and did become for many people in history, even a source of happiness and contentment. Scripture tells us that good things and evil, life and death, poverty and riches, are all from God. God either causes everything or He permits it. Whatever it is, God caused it or God permitted it, therefore may His will be done. Then take, for example, worry. There's so much worry today, which is a side effect of fear. Worry about our future. Worry about our jobs. Worry about security of all kinds. This is indicative of a lack of abandonment to the will of God. How happy we could be if we would pick up not only the habit of saying but the habit of accepting in everything that happens. It's God's will. God's will be done. That's the reason we were told, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither sow nor do they reap. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, in all of his glory, was never arrayed as one of these. Therefore I am secure. What have I to fear? God is my Father. God has permitted it, therefore I accept it. 
three days ago, on the 8th of November in your local paper, there appeared an article by a Dr. George Stevenson, former president of the American Psychiatric Association. And this is what he said. And it is very apropos to what I'm trying to say this evening. Quote, Why are people so tense today? Because, for one thing, we are much worse off than our ancestors insofar as psychological safety is concerned. Our ancestors fought and worked to make life better and suffered and grieved as we do today, but had a feeling of faith that things would come out all right and resignation when they didn't come out all right. Whatever happened, good or bad, they viewed as God's will. In the past hundred years, however, the philosophy has developed that man's fate is largely in his own hands, and that if things don't work out well, each person has only himself to blame or someone else. Today, when misfortune occurs, we suffer not only because of our loss, but also from even a feeling that somehow it was also our own fault. Unquote. A leading psychiatrist gives the key to life's problems as the will of God. Then take in our spiritual life. How many pray and then as time goes on they give up prayer. Why? They'll come and say, well, Father, I prayed and prayed and prayed. God don't hear my prayer. Well, I don't know. I'm going to tell you a little story about that. I've told it before, and it bears repeating. There was once a fellow who lived out here on the West Coast who had a large grape harbor. And right at uh, harvest time, a storm came down from the Sierra Madre Mountains and destroyed the entire harvest of his grapes. He had believed in God, but now he became embittered. He became resentful. He blamed God. A short while later, his wife was suddenly taken ill, rushed to the hospital. He was called, went out to the hospital, was admitted to her room, talked to her for a while, and the last thing that she told him was, Jim, pray for me. But all the way home, he kept muttering to himself, God, prayer, nonsense. God doesn't hear prayer. God doesn't answer prayer. First he destroyed the harvest of my grapes, and now he's destroying the life of my wife. And as he had reached his home, he went into the living room, threw himself in a large chair, put his head in his hands. And just then, his little boy, eight years old, came over. And he said, Daddy, why don't you ask God to send Mommy home? And the dad looked up and he said, God, what do you mean, God? God doesn't hear prayer. God doesn't answer prayer. The little boy said, well, Daddy, he heard my prayer. The dad said, if he heard your prayer, if he answered your prayer, what did he say? I happen to know now. 
that you have been waiting and praying for a little red scooter now for three months and you haven't gotten it. If God answered your prayer, what did he say? And the little boy said, God said, no. Thy will be done. Consolation in suffering, when suffering comes as it will for all of us, can only be solved by accepting it as the will of God. Oh, of course, there are certain people who will tell us, well, suffering's a part of life. Just grin and bear it. Yeah, but there's so many people who will say, well, I'll bear it, but I'll be darned if I'm going to grin about it. Then others will say, well, just think of the other people in the world who have it worse than you do. Yeah, but what are you going to tell the guy who's got it worse? But only if we can say it is God's will, and knowing that the divine plan is best for us. We say this in AA by making the remark that we get out of the driver's seat. We let God run our life. His will takes over. I was giving a talk one time in the penitentiary at Putnamville, Indiana, on the will of God. This is some years back. And right in the middle of the talk, one of the inmates jumped up and he said, Hey, wait a minute. Do you mean to tell me it's God's will that I'm in this joint? I said, Well, let me ask you a question. I said, do you believe in God? He said, yes, I have all my life. I said, well, do you believe that God can do all things? He said, yes, I do. Well, I, I said, you must admit that God could, if he wanted to, if he willed it, get you out of this, uh, this uh, joint. He said, yes, I guess he could. I said, well, he hasn't. He sat down. That is the reason that knowledge of God's will in human life, knowledge of God's plan for us, makes it so much easier to accept His will in everything that happens. Let's take, for example, the music of Bach or Tchaikovsky or one of the great musicians. To the uneducated musically, those pieces of music are merely a lot of disagreeable sounds. But to the composer, to the musically educated man or woman, it is a masterpiece. It's perfect harmony. And so in life's sorrows, in life's difficulties, in life's problems, to the atheistic, to the agnostic, to the prayerless, lamentable disorder is all we can see. But to the soul who sees all as the will of God, the divine musician is producing perfect harmony. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. You know, when Almighty God, we are told, created human life, he created the soul of man to his own image and light. Now, I would like to put an axiom along with that, a sort of a sequel, and say that when God sends suffering to the human personality, he is recreating the physical part of man to the image and likeness of his divine Son, to whom 
he gave suffering and death. For some unknown reason, in the wisdom of God that is eternal, God has put a terrific price of value on suffering. Life's conflicts, life's problems are always, almost inevitably, a result of refusing to accept the will of God. Serenity, which we aim for so much in AA, is an absence of conflict. Peace is an absence of conflict. But all life's conflicts stem from kicking against the will of God. Take, for example, the little child. If it is in the mother's arms and lays its head on the mother's shoulders, it could lay there peacefully, go to sleep, Perfectly secure. But if it starts kicking and tries to get away, mommy's going to give it a spank and there's going to be trouble because it's kicking against the will of its mother. Discontent in life, in plain English, is refusal to accept the will of God. We are told to take an example how a cross is made. Could you ever see how a cross is made? A cross is two pieces of wood, contrary the one to another. But if you take those same two pieces of wood and put them side by side, behold, no longer a cross. Because they are both on the even keel. As long as they're contrary to one another, a cross. Side by side, no cross. And so in all life's problems, when we accept them, behold, no cross. When we fight against them, conflict, problems, troubles, sufferings. Then in AA, in our groups, how many times we have trouble in groups, conflicts. Somebody said, look what's happening. What's he going to do to AA? (laughs) Nobody's going to do anything to AA. That God doesn't want to happen, I'll guarantee you that. I think uh, God has been running this old world quite a few years, and I think he's quite capable of running AA. Most of the time, of course, in a practical manner, we do have a dictator in AA. I think he, in his wisdom, knowing our sensitive nature and our tendency towards resentments and so forth, I think perhaps he's permitted that for a special reason. And that dictator is the bottle. Hmm. It'll take its uh, own... Uh, course of events and eliminate those who get off the course of the 12 steps of the AA program. But if we accept in our groups something happened, let it go. God permitted it. If it's good, far be it from me to do anything about it. And if it's evil, God will eliminate it in his own time. God's will be done. We kick against things that happen Because we think in our own poor human minds that we could handle things better than God did. You know, they tell the story, speaking about crosses. One fellow was praying, begging God to take away his cross. So the Lord appeared to him. And he says, okay, I'll take your cross from you. But you'll have to have some kind of a cross. 
Now, he said, I'll take you over to the field where we keep all of our crosses. So he took him over to a field, and there he saw little crosses, big crosses, wide crosses, stone crosses, wood crosses, all kinds of crosses. Well, right in the middle, this fellow saw a real little cross. And he said, there, that's for me. He couldn't even move it. It was so heavy, he couldn't even move it. The grass is greener on the other side. And the cross is lighter on the other person's shoulder. God's will be done. Then that's the reason that on the first Christmas day, many centuries ago, we were told peace on earth to men of good will. Peace to men who will accept the will of God. God doesn't ask strength. God doesn't ask accomplishment. God doesn't expect success. God only wants goodwill. We say it's not going to be whether we won or lost, but only how we played the game. And if there's ever a time when that's going to be true, it will be the time when we appear before God. The only thing He's going to ask is goodwill. Nothing else. St. Augustine tells us, Our hearts are ever restless until they rest in thee. In fact, the will of God is a hub in life's wheel for the spokes of human association. How much easier would people get along with their neighbor if we would all, instead of right away, criticize and say, Well, how do I know? What's in that man's eye, heart and mind and soul? Even the philosopher Confucius say, we should never criticize our neighbor unless we have walked a mile in his shoes. Whatever is, is God's will. Somebody in the group's very cantankerous. There's always one in every group, you know, who's against everything and anybody. But I think God puts him there. I think it's God's will to permit the rest of us to practice tolerance and patience and love. Serenity is a gift that God gives to those united to the will of God. And that is the end purpose of the entire 12 steps. When we have achieved this adjustment, but that takes time, that takes practice. But when we have achieved adjustment to the will of God as a matter of habit, then we will begin to know true serenity, true peace, for the only real source of conflict is gone. Rebellion against the will of God. I attended a banquet in a Midwestern city many years ago in AA. And after the talk, one of the members of the group entertained the assembled multitude by singing a song. And he dedicated his song to AA as a typical AA song. And the name of the song was, Oh, what a beautiful morning. Everything's going my way. I punched the guy next to me. I said, that's not AA. That's what put us in AA. 
Everything's going thy way. Thy will be done. Many of you have had experience or have read a little volume called The Imitation of Christ. It is the bestseller next to the Scriptures and was written by a Gerard Groot many centuries ago. And the story is that this person was a member of a religious community and a great preacher. And then his superior decided that he should give up preaching and return to the monastery and continue to live there a monastic life. He rebelled. He was very unhappy, very resentful for a long time. But gradually, as he accepted the will of God, lo and behold, he wrote this masterpiece of the spiritual life, The Imitation of Christ. I know, I'm positive, that when he did rebel, at the time he was told to return to the monastery, that he had little idea of the divine plans that Almighty God had for him, which in his wisdom were so far above his own feeble attempts at preaching and speaking throughout the land. And so if we accept the will of God as the key that unlocks the problems of life, then we will have an answer to all questions that can arise. All are answered by that simple statement it is the will of God. And that's the reason in the 11th step, which is the whole center of the AA program, we say we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry it out. And as I said in the beginning, in order to get that knowledge, we seek to improve our conscious contact with God. Day in and day out, hour in and hour out, we try to know God's will for us, to understand it, and then we will be more easily able to accept it. And so no matter what problems we might have in life, no what troubles might come along, what difficulties might arise, what the circumstances of one's life might be, yes, even sins, they can be converted all into serenity and peace of mind, yes, even into sanctity, because we only, in order to do this, we only have to change our heart, and by heart I mean will. You know, in the question of sin, he who is without sin, let him pick up the first stone. So many people worry, first of all, about past sin, secondly, about present temptation and sin, and thirdly, about future danger of sin. Whereas if we accepted sin as also being permitted by God, if we only realize that God brings good, even from evil in life, then we could use sin as a stepping stone to sanctity. Many of the saints have. Augustine, 
Mary Magdalene, Peter, Paul, all down through the age, because they realized God permitted it. They put all those things of the past into His mercy. They put all the present into His providence and all the future into His providence. A lot of people are going to say, well, look, I've been trying now for years and years and I still have the same failings, the same faults. God permits it. God has permitted it. If I am trying, that's all God asks. God permitted it. You know what I think? I'm positive that God permits many of us to continue to fall, to keep us humble, to teach us humility. Have we ever realized what we would become if suddenly we would get rid of all faults and failings and sins out of our life? Sheep. What proud people we would be. Particularly alcoholics. Look at me! In fact, you hear that sometimes in AA. Once in a while, somebody will get up and say, Well, you know, I've been in AA so many years, and I've come to the point where I don't commit sin anymore. I don't have any troubles. <laughs> at least they're not showing. You know what happens to such a person? He's the guy that usually goes home and in the secret of his uh, little room, he looks into the mirror and admires that big shot in the mirror, and then he invites that guy in the mirror out for a drink. God even permits these things. God permits them for our own sanctity, even for our own peace of mind, if we only accept them and realize that all we have to do is accept it as the will of God. Many of the groups throughout the country have a little inventory card. And on the one side, they have all the good points to be driven for, and on the other side they have listed all the bad points to be avoided. And the name on the top of this card is How am I doing? And supposedly you're to ask yourself at the end of each day, How am I doing? You know, I maintain that's a little dangerous. Because if I ask myself, How am I doing? and I find I'm doing fine, I'm liable to go off on a tangent of pride. If I ask myself, How am I doing? And find out I'm not doing so good. I'm liable to go off on a tangent of self-pity. And that's not good either. But if I only ask myself, how was my will today? Was it good or was it bad? If it was bad, all I have to do is to turn it again towards God. Because he's never going to ask us what happened, how much we accomplished, but only how good was our will. And that's the reason on Judgment Day, I think there's going to be an awful lot of surprises. A lot of people whom we look down on and condemn in this world, I'm afraid we're going to have to look up to when we get up there. There's going to be, in my mind, three principal surprises. The first surprise is that we're going to see so many people there we never thought had a chance. The next surprise is we're going to find so many people not there whom we thought sure would be there. And the biggest surprise will be if we're there. 
So once again, since it's our sincere hope, I feel positive, that we'll all meet together again. And all the criticisms and the difficulties and the problems and the pains and the misunderstandings and all those difficulties of life are a thing of the past. I feel sure that we can all look back and then realize once and for all and be eternally grateful to Almighty God that He give us such a transcontinental highway to reach our end purpose of all life, the highway of the will of God. And all that it takes is the simple statement, no matter what happens, no matter when it happens, no matter how it happens, it's God's will. May He love you, and may His will be accomplished in each and every one of you forever.